in this episode. Blue Jays gave me a shot, and they were like, hey, we got a spot for you in double A as a backup. Are you, gonna, you want it or take it or go home kind of thing? Took it a month later in triple A, two months later big leagues for two months. And it was kind of like, okay, like perseverance does pay off. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Or when you, I remember we had walk on tryouts and we had some really good kids come through and you're like, man, we just, you know, you'd have to give that every, to everybody there in the walk on tryout thing. We kept one kid for a little bit and, eh, went and played for the club team at school. Left handed pitcher came back the next year, tried out again. Yeah, come on. He struck out like six million people in four innings on the club team and ended up getting drafted after his senior year, I think it was. Wait, played for he, a little pro he, ball. He played club baseball. <laughs> we were talking club about this yesterday. After baseball. Yeah. yeah. The, he played club. So, yeah. so this so you're telling me this guy goes to Mizzou, tries to walk on. Wanna go to school. You say no. He goes to the club team, makes the club team. Strikes out a billion people. I can't. It was stupid numbers. I can't remember what it was, but it was awesome. Did yeah. you Did you know about this happening? Oh, we followed them. Oh, we followed them. Yeah, because he had some buddies, and we knew. And you kind of look at him, and go, okay, got a chance. Then he came back and whew, took off, drafted, <laughs> and he just started just dominating Big Twelve. Yeah, he did he literally did? It took him a little bit, but yeah. He did. That should baseball. be like a. That you never know. That should be a Hollywood film. As long right. did he make it to the big leagues? What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Closing Pitch. My name is Spiker Helms, and this is a show about people, culture, and how to create a winning lifestyle as everyone gets ready to gear up for this podcast. I'm seeing a lot of bodies get comfortable for this conversation. The conversation for today is you're fired. You're out of here. You're You're gone. You're cut. And the reason that I want to have this conversation is because we are just now wrapping up with high school tryouts here in Missouri. Um, The southern states have already been past this. Um, The northern states, I think they're probably... Week or two behind. Yeah, they're probably going, going right now. And it's a very difficult conversation for us because we are really invested in the kid and the player. And when we see kids make varsity, it's like awesome. Like it just, you feel like you're on cloud nine. You're like, I can't believe they just did that. That's awesome. But then when you have a kid that calls you and then he ends up saying like, Hey, I just got let go. Um, it really, what's the best word for it? Feels like, yeah, (laughs) it's it's worse. It's a worse feeling of that than like you yourself getting cut and getting let go because like, I don't know. You've, you are invested in their emotions and they've put so much work and you've seen how they put tires. Like they're, they're in the cages early and they're leaving late and then they just get let go. Um, what are your guys's thoughts on the tryout process? Who do we have on the pod today? Spike? Oh yeah. That's probably a good idea. I should probably, (laughs) I should probably introduce these guys. (laughs) Um, to my right is Rafi, and then to um, the right of center is Evan. <laughs> I'm right in center. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and obviously we have my co-host, David Berkby. There we go. Rafi played Major League Baseball. Evan ended up uh, being uh, assistant coach for 20-plus years at the Division One level. Did play pro ball too. Thank you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Did play pro ball. And I had a bad release. Thank you. And I think I think we are I think we are <laughs> experienced enough 
to talk about this topic because we are we have all been released at some <laughs> point or let go or told us to quit quit playing the game. So, what are your thoughts on at first as a player when you got released, and then also as a coach hearing hearing it from the players that we teach? Go for it, Raf. Me well. Which time I got released? Released? <laughs> well, yeah. um, well, at least you didn't get traded for like a wash machine or no, I got a, a pack of beer. Once. It was a player, and we talked about 120 grand, and I signed for five thousand. So I thought I had definitely <laughs> upped my ante a little bit with being traded for a human being and 120. Grand. <laughs> <laughs> so, One initial, soul and 120 grand. <laughs> Cubs made out on initial five thousand dollar investments. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, but honestly, being traded felt no better than being released sometimes. Um, I mean, I, I think I got released every year from 2015 on, really. Um, would play a whole year with a team and then get traded or released. So it was... Did it feel different each time? Or was uh, it like... It, it hurt every time. Every time I was ticked off usually and, and actually like extremely angry, um, especially if I was doing well. It was kind of like, what what you know, what do I have to do to make a team here, maybe have a place and actually call it home for a couple years. So it stung, but like, it's also part of the game. It's part of the business. And, um, I did my best to use that anger as motivation. Sometimes it would get the best of me and uh, would maybe affect my attitude in a negative way. But a lot of times it actually like helped me perform better, um, that next year. So it stung a lot and, but it's part of the game really. And, and, it, I don't know what hurts more when it happens to you or one of your players you really like. I, I don't know if I could answer that definite. I think this is a good point for you because, Evan, you've been on both sides. You've been as a player, been released, but also you've been the person that has been in the coaches. Done the releasing. Done the releasing. <laughs> right. So you have been the that angel guy, and guy. also <laughs> the devil. <laughs> You're the guy that has destroyed You're dreams. Right. <laughs> yeah, not too many times. I mean, guys pretty much make their own bet at, at that point, and sometimes – um, you're kind of like, hey, listen, buddy, this ain't gonna work. You've done this, this, and this, and it doesn't jive for what we're what our mission is here at our place. So, it didn't happen too many times, but it did happen a few. Um, and it happened one time we got rid of a really good player, uh, end up pitching in the big leagues, uh, type of guy. So you're always going, ah, what if? But it was it was the best thing for our program at the time. How so. does that make you feel though? Like, well, do you are you happy for the kid, or is it just like? Damn, we really messed up. No, it, you try everything to to steer the player in the right direction. You're just not following the mission. It's just like it, it didn't really matter what you did on the field. Uh, it was a lot of stuff off the field. So it was more in that realm of things of, okay, what are we trying to do here? Well, you're not part of this direction and doing the correct things and being a good person off the field. And it really didn't matter what you did on the field because it just wasn't going to be good for the clubhouse. It was going to, it was, you know, the one guy tears you down type of syndrome. So in that particular case, then we had to make a change. But uh, in other other cases, when the, the does on the field, um, you kind of help those guys as much as you can through it. Uh, we didn't really release anybody. In my time coaching-wise, you're just terrible and you need to leave. We just never did that. We, that's pro ball. We just never did that. We would, we would always take those guys and we put a, must invest as much as we can in those guys to get them better. And if they chose to leave on their own, they chose to leave on their own. We literally didn't do that to anybody, literally anybody. And that was one thing I was kind of, you know, really good and thankful about the, the people I was around that they just didn't say, okay, you're old for 50, get out there, take a hike. You know, you're old for 50, let's get you one for 51, you know, whatever it was type of thing. So um, 
in that respect, we'd really try to invest in the player as much as we could. What, how, what do you tell these players that end up not making their high school team? Like, what's what's the best piece of advice for like a parent or um, even a player who's listening? Is like, how do I actually handle this thing? Because you know how high school is. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's gruesome. Like, you got friends that make fun of you. And you got to see them every day. So. Yeah, and you, you same so, players. And you have so many insecurities, and then you see your you see your friend like, oh, he's going to practice, and I have to go home to my car and go home. <laughs> like. I mean, it, it's somewhat a little bit worse than getting released from Pro Bowl. I mean, Pro Bowl, you're invested and there's a sunk cost there. But at the same time, you don't have to deal with your friends. Like, go, You're you a little that. more mature in life when you, when you get to that, that age. And I think these guys at the high school are, 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 are looking at a lot of those things externally with the friends and with everybody else. And they're a little bit more embarrassed than anything. And hopefully, it just depends on how much you really want to do it. Do you want to get after it? Do you want to play? Do you want to get to that next level? Then those guys that don't want to do it, they're going to grind. They're going to come over here and get it with us uh, and get some more time in the cages or whatever we need to do. Because obviously, we're going to help them uh, as much as they can if, if they want to do that and want to go that direction. But you just got to put your arm around them. And sometimes it all happens to everybody at some point in this venture of life in baseball and sports. Somebody's going to tap you on the shoulder and go, it's time. You're out. However that happens, whether it's Little League, high school, junior high, whatever, pro ball, whatever it is, somebody taps you on the shoulder and you're, I don't want to quit. I'm not done yet. Well, yeah, it's time to go. Ralph, how did you handle it? Like you got, how many, how many times have you gotten released so that everyone kind of gets an idea? I know I hate, I hate to go down that bad path and like. At least five. Five times. At least five uh, as a pro. Um, but then that, does anything happen like in high school or college or anything like that? Uh, I mean, I did red shirt my freshman year and they kind of at the end went in for the end of their meeting and I already had the intention of telling the coach I'm leaving, not coming back, but I let him talk first, just see what he had to say. And he pretty much was like, you know, you got the leg up on the guy coming in, but you know, and so he was already kind of telling me like, if you come back, you're probably not going to play. And I already had my mind made up. I was leaving. So it didn't really hurt in that aspect. And I was, I already had a place at a Juco that, you know, here's a full ride come play so if anything I was happy about that I was more mad that the guy who recruited me was no longer there so it was kind of I was playing for a coach who didn't want me essentially and that didn't really bother me too much once I decided to redshirt I was like this is great I got another year eligibility um this is more of like a relief yeah so college never really experienced that um you know I Florida State did just little background uh I mean I was an infielder until I was 21 so when I got to Florida State I was still an infielder and they pulled me out of class. And we've talked about this before and like literally sat me down and was like, you're not going to play infield at this level. And I was like, well, what, what am I going to do? Like, <laughs> like are, you get, are you releasing me? Like, what, are you letting me out? And I was an invited walk on. So really there was no strings attached for them. And I was like, I'm done. Like in my mind. Yep. And he literally went into my locker, took my infielder's mitt, threw it in the trash and handed me Buster Posey's old mitt and was like, you're a catcher now. And I was like, I've never caught He's like, well, if you're any good, you're going to start. You'll be our guy. And so really worked my butt off, had a knee surgery and was catching bullpens on stools and literally like made, made the team and became a starter for three years. So, I mean, that was where like almost the opposite happened in a sense where they were like releasing me as an infielder, but really promoting me as a catcher. But pro ball was different. I mean, it, it would sting because like once you get released once, the likelihood of getting released again is yeah. a lot higher. So in your mind, you're playing every day, like with the, you know, like you're saying, is someone about to tap me on the shoulder? Because you have a mark on your. You're like, oh, I got released once, so like I'm obviously someone sees something they don't like. So, 
I kind of played the next five years, like I'm going to get released any day, <laughs> which probably helped me. So, I mean, it stung every time I hated it. It maybe at times made me hate baseball. Um, but it definitely motivated me. What was the turnaround time for like when you got released and then getting signed again? Um, it would usually happen at the end of the season. So I'd usually have the off season to like find a job. Um, once it happened two days before Christmas, um, literally three weeks after my mom had passed away. So it was like, I was like, whatever, I don't even care. And that probably took like three weeks to find a job. And then they released me three days left in spring training and actually went to independent ball for a month. So you were, you were in indie ball for, for a, month. a month. Yeah. And who are you with? I got released from the Tigers that spring training and was in what was the Bridgeport Bluefish of the Atlantic League. They don't want, they no longer exist. Stadiums knocked down. Um, kind of was like, this is it. I was in the ghetto, you know, worry about literally getting shot on your way to the field. Scared to leave your car in the parking lot kind of place. <laughs> and, and um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty bitter, like honestly. And then Reds called and gave me a chance and literally sat the bench the whole summer and somehow – Got a chance in the big leagues that year and got released from them, signed again, got released from the Blue Jays, signed again, traded from the Padres, signed again. Like, so what's that, the off what's that like on the dead time between the release and then getting signed? Because that's where I think is the most non talked about time frame for a lot of guys. Everyone talks about like, oh, you got you got released and then it's the next day. How do you handle that? But then the le- weeks leading up to getting another job. How does that work to where you are consistently getting better and getting to a point where you can have another shot? Yeah. So good question. Um, Cause I think that this serves two purposes, one for the player, but also um, for when they get older, when they do get fired or let go um, because of cuts, they'll know how to understand that with their employer. Yeah. So um, I mean, I've been fired from a job too. So it was the worst year was probably besides the after spring training was uh, with the Reds got re- was released from them not not resigned and um, spring training had already started um, so I mean four months had gone by and I hadn't really had any interest and that was the year that every free agent was signing like really late even in the big leagues so I was like well until these guys sign like it's a trickle down effect very much so so like I'm waiting for like five cat big league catchers to sign before they're gonna start looking at depth. So, I mean, it was mid to end of February before, like, the Blue Jays called the only team offering a minor league contract and only going to minor league camp and literally saying, we knew you and you were with the Cubs. We like you. We want to give you a, a chance. And so it was kind of like sink or swim, really. Um, so how were you, were you gaining more skill sets at that time? or uh, were That's you just- the year I actually, like, completely overhauled my swing. So I, and for me, I'm, like, getting starting to get frustrated because I'm, like, wait till people see me hit again because yep. it's going to be drastically different. So I went from hitting, like, 205 with, like, one home run and, like, three doubles to the next year hitting, like, 320 with 20 home runs and, like, 20 doubles. So you saw something in your game. <laughs> so when you got released. That's a little bit so, of a difference. That's yeah. a huge difference. So <laughs> when you like, got, I was getting very antsy and upset. Um, usually I never spend Valentine's Day at home, and that year I did. And for me, it was kind of like, why am I here? <laughs> yeah. And um, Blue Jays gave me a shot, and they were like, hey, we got a spot for you in double-A as a backup. Are you going to – you want it or take it or go home kind of thing. Took it a month later in triple-A, two months later big leagues for two months. And it was kind of like, okay, like perseverance does pay off. And that's, that was the hardest thing was like, just someone give me a chance. Somebody give me a chance. Someone give me a chance. And when they do, like, you have to take it. 
you can't just not perform. And that was the big thing is I think that pressure maybe helped me perform better. Um, I'm sure you've seen that with college players who are saying like, hey, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think it gets back to how bad do you want it? Yeah. I mean, it, what do you want to do with your existence? What do you want? Do you want to play this game for a long time? Do you want to make the varsity team? Do you want to play in college? <clears throat> it's it's a it's a it's a want thing. It, it's like my high school basketball coach used to tell me in, in high school basketball it just popped in my head for some reason. If you want to rebound a basketball, you can. All you got to do is box the big guy out, 100%. and the ball's going to land here, and you grab it. How bad do you want that rebound? That guy's going to jump over me. If you box him out, you are going to win. And it feels you feel like you're jumping over this huge hurdle. But if you make the adjustments, like he said, or you do the things correctly, perseverance does usually win out in the end. So, what's the first thing that they need to do? Like when you after you get the notice released, whether that's a red tag or you actually talking to the coach and be like, "Yeah, you know what? You didn't make the team." What's the first thing that they should do? Get back on the horse. Go 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 find a cage that day. Go find a mound that day and, and work out your frustrations. Because you're gonna be mad for a little bit. You're gonna be you're gonna be ticked off. You're the world's against you. And then it's gonna okay, I'll sleep on it one night, get back at it. And the next day find a way to get better. Whatever that is. Get on the phone, get on the horn, get on somebody that can help you find a new job, find a new place to go. This period now when somebody else is playing this spring in high school ball, find some place to get ABs, find some place to get your swings in the cage, get ready for summer baseball. So the answer is work and connectivity. Exactly. Otherwise, you're just, you're going to go nowhere. I would also add this in. Ask yourself this, do you think that coach is right? Because a lot of kids buy into it. A lot of kids are like, well, I guess I'm not. And then there's the Michael Jordans of the world that say that coach is an idiot. Well, then they also probably buy into what their friends are saying too. Mm Mm-hmm. Which then goes back to our last podcast of like surrounding yourself with the right people. Mm -hmm. And like if that person is dogging you and it's not in good faith or like it's not it's not like, you know, how like some guys just dog each other to get under their skin and just have some fun with them. But sometimes it's kind of a little bit vindictive. Then you start realizing, oh, this person's not really in my corner. Like my my assumption, Roth, and you can tell me I'm totally wrong. Yeah. But like when you've been released from an organization, did you like was that fire in your belly to get picked up by another organization and then go shove it to that guy who yeah, said I you're mean, you're not good enough? I always got extremely angry. I mean, you guys been around me enough where there's you know I have a little chip on my shoulder yeah. at times and maybe all the time I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I definitely got extremely angry um, and and ticked off. And I I mean honestly like embrace that anger for a few days and then do your best to channel it to something else, whether it's work, attitude, whatever it is. For me, it usually affected my attitude in not the best way, and if there's one thing I could change about my career would be that, but it never affected my work ethic. But at the same time, I was a better player ticked off than I was being the nice guy. So I kind of had to find that middle ground, which at times probably I took it too far with the anger um, when I played, but like, I didn't have a choice. I'm five foot eight, (laughs) so like, I had to play angry, and it was like that my whole my whole life. Honestly, even my dad would purposely tick me off during games, knowing that I'd play better. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not saying go play angry, but what I am saying is, whatever emotion you're feeling, channel it towards getting better, improving. Especially if you got a little bit of talent, and like sometimes there is some politics involved and things like that. That like you should be on the team, and you're not. I mean. I'm mm-hmm. sure we're going there, but yeah, I have a player that it's happened to, and I've been beyond impressed how he's handled himself this past week. Um, he got cut on Saturday. He, um, I saw hit with him Wednesday. 
he texted me, which I thought was really mature of him, considering he is a kid, I think, that struggles with, like, some anger issues and, and emotions at times. And he literally said, no one's going to save me out of this. I have to be my own hero. And I was like, that's pretty good for a 16, 17-year-old kid to say. And had a couple meetings with his travel team and whatnot. And they're on board with helping him out for the next three, four months and trying to find him. I think the Iowa League we even talked about go playing in. And he sees it as an opportunity to gain 10 pounds of muscle um, and just work his butt off. He's, I mean, he's even picking up running lessons to where he's hoping to shave a tenth off his 60, which would put him 665, which is pretty damn good. <laughs> um, so he's, he's actually taking it as like, this is my chance to prove everyone wrong kind of thing. And I'm actually like pretty pumped for what might happen. Yeah, and I, I'm not I'm not saying that's the only way you take it, but yeah. man, that seems to be the winning recipe. It's if you have any sort of talent and mental strength, get back to work. Get pissed off, get back to work. That's that would be my advice. And then, how do you know what to work on? Um, I think because like sometimes coaches don't even give you that information. Yeah, um, he his coach really didn't give him much constructive feedback besides don't swing as hard, um, which we honestly know that's a case. It's he does overswing. Um, but in, I think in his case, it's, I, I'm going to work on my defense a little bit and just for him, it's more just get stronger. Honestly. Um, do you kind of just look at the guys that they did keep and then you end up making the decision of like, Oh, that's probably why he got kept because of this skill set or that skill set. In his case, I think it was maybe more of a numbers thing. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, I know that's sometimes a weak excuse, but like, I really do think it was a numbers thing. Um, when you just, but what about, like, what about you attributes. for me personally? Yeah. Um, yeah, there was always that like, well, why the hell did you keep him? And, and a lot of the times the guys I kept, if you look just at stats, um, I was better. Um, so it, you did wonder what it was, but I also had a label and that label was, you know, backup who's five foot eight, you know, who will, you know, stick around and help develop young pitching. So I really was any team who had a pro had prospects in AAA, that's who wanted me. And then if someone got hurt, like, okay, he's ready to go up and fill in for, you know, a week to two months kind of thing. Did did you ever ask any of the coaches or any of the, you know, front office staff or anybody? Or, or they all kind of had the same answers and, mm. and, you know. Just the eyewash type stuff? Yeah, it was very much. Because they want to distance themselves at that point? Yeah, I mean, they're trying not to have necessary relationship with you. I mean, at the end of the day, and it's different college, but like, you know, you're an you're asset in Pro Bowl. Per, yes. But even college at times, like, you're still just a number. They may love you to death, but they try to separate the person and the jersey. Yeah. And sometimes it's like you're just, you know, cow, cattle number, you know, five, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so they never really had good reasons. They would just say it's not going to work out here. There was never a reason, which was frustrating. But, I mean, what was I going to do? Yeah. Just get I mean, I knew it was time to quit when I got hurt, but, like, I wasn't just going to quit because someone didn't necessarily see my value. And I knew someone else always would, even if, I mean, at times it was teams that didn't see my value the first time would then see it the second time. So I had teams get release me, and then a year later were one of the teams lining up trying to sign me again, which was always interesting because a prospect wouldn't pan out, a guy gets hurt, someone gets traded. So, like, for me, I was always playing in college. I was always playing for all every team we played against. I was playing for them, too, in a sense. That like, if this if something doesn't work out here and they decide to get rid of me, they saw me play. They saw me play. They saw me play. That coach is now a pro coach, even though he was a D one coach. That coach is now here at a D one. Um, same with pro ball. Like 
my coach in high A three years later is like bench coach in the big leagues. So all of a sudden, like three years later, like, oh, yeah, Raph, I remember him. I liked him. Let's sign him. So that was kind of my attitude is like I was always playing for someone else as well as the team I was on, knowing that any of those coaches on my team and the other team could be anywhere the next year. So that was kind of my outlook. That's the only that's the only issue with high school baseball is that you're restricted. <laughs> there is no option yeah, for those like, months. True, but like <laughs> but college now, like you have you can leave whenever, like after yeah. one year, it's all one year contracts. But essentially, mm-hmm. they don't call them contracts, but essentially they're a one year contract. Uh, that's what kind of sucks about summer ball isn't though. Yeah, summer ball isn't. That's that's <laughs> that's that's a hundred percent fact. Yeah. Like um, a lot of those guys don't realize that they're playing in front of all the other clubs and their value is going to be dictated on how they play that game or how they handle themselves. And you never know what could happen too, because there's been some players that I've watched on other clubs and um, we don't, we don't end up getting them. But if another college coach comes up to me and asks me like, Hey, have you played against this kid? I end up giving them the recommendation and I give them an honest feedback on it. And I'm probably going to give a more honest feedback than the, than that person's coach because I have no bias in it. I'm, I'm, I'm literally just like, yeah, I remember that kid. He was good. Or I remember that kid. Yeah. He threw his helmet. He sucked. I would stay away from that kid, you know? So like a lot of guys don't realize that is that when they play, they're marketing themselves while they're playing and how you handle your stuff. Like, the guy that stands out the most is one that like always shakes your hand, says hi. Um, um, has I like I like the guys that are a little bit chippy. They have a little chip on their shoulder. They they slide hard and um, they they respect me, but they they won't say hi. But they'll you, they they just glance over and like I'm gonna kick your butt. Like I love those guys, those type of guys. A lot a lot of those players when they play timid, they don't realize that they're actually playing in front of a huge audience rather than just their mom and dad. That was a real easy to, thing to see when I was out watching games. You know, Tools-wise, like I said before, you, yeah, you're, you can run fast. Yeah, you hit the ball hard, but you're always watching that other thing. You know, how do you handle going over four and four strikeouts? You know, all that stuff you're after types of stuff. You know, you, and the same thing. You get the you – know, I talked to all those other coaches as well too. Hey, you guys just played these guys over here. What do you think of this dude? I really like this dude. I think he's going to be a good player. Yeah, but he does this, this, and this, and we don't. We can, we can get him out doing this, this, and this, and he not – you know, oh, okay, thanks. You know, that it's, it's, a, it's a circle. Baseball is the smallest world in the universe. It's, it really everybody is. knows everybody, and everybody knows what's going on, and somebody knows somebody that knows somebody. So you're always, like you said, it's always – you're on stage for everybody, like you said. It's really cool. It's even like to add to it, um, at least pro ball, college too, high school, I'm not sure. But even high school to a degree and, and, you know, the old cliche, so you never know who's watching kind of thing. But like like I said earlier, is like I'm playing for the four coaches on my bench who have to report up high. There's four coaches on the other bench who then have to report up high. And there's scouts in the stands who report up high. So like, and they're all watching the games. Like the Cubs, I know for a fact, where the GM sits has all has like five or six TVs of every level that's playing. So they're watching the big league game and glancing up and watching the minor league game all at the, all at the same time. Oh no, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, so like that's that's a lot what a lot of the big league teams do. So like quite literally Theo Epstein when he was with the Cubs, uh, you know, could be watching uh, his double A team playing the uh, you know, the Reds double A team and see some dude on the Reds and be like, "I like him." I've seen him multiple times now because when you're in the minors, you play a lot of the teams the same, a lot of the teams, the same teams a lot. And 
all of a sudden you're almost having like this open tryout for the GM of at the time the Cubs. Who's he with now? I don't even know. Uh, I'm not for sure. Anyway, mm. so like you're getting almost like a free tryout every time you play for eight, nine, ten people. <clears throat> so that was kind of every time to get back to it, every time I got released, like that's kind of what I went back to thinking. And it's it's and don't mistake in that those guys have they're fans of players. Like you can't oh, get yeah, away they, from that. Like every coach has favorites. Yeah, like, you're gonna be a fan of somebody. <laughs> and so like even the GM they like, like winning. Yeah, like Theo's probably like, Man, I really like how that guy plays. Like from a distance, like uh, example, I'm I'm watching World Baseball Classic and Otani was up while I was working out in the gym and literally every dude stopped just to watch <laughs> Otani hit. Like we're, we're fans of him, right? By the way, Korea's uniforms look like the nineties, like my nineties uniforms. <laughs> it's like you see Canada, the it's, Johnny Mac. It's the font literally is baseball. like 12 font. <laughs> looks like literally uh, baseball. It's really bad. That is like Canada's jerseys really bad, but Japan's Sorry. jerseys are awesome. Like I, I really like that. But it, it, example is that, you never know who's watching. Like I love Stan Musial's quote. I'm always hustling. I don't, I'm going to butcher the quote, but I'm always hustling because I never know who's actually watching. It's so true because you never know if that dad is a, knows somebody that's in the Cardinals organization or knows a scout or knows their, their great, their best friend is the head coach of Oklahoma state. You have no idea. Dude, even here, like you're given a lesson and you got a kid who's like, hitting the ball hard and it you know he's making a lot of loud noises people stop and watch and like you literally never know if if maybe it is a college coach i mean we have colleges work out here and all of a sudden like damn who's that so it is wild how like it can work out like that theo epstein is a consultant right now he's a consultant right now i have no idea who he's consulting with i don't know but i'm sure he's uh He's he's making quite a bit of money being that guy who has broken the curse of the <laughs> Red Sox and, and the Cubs, so he's a very very smart individual. Well, D three athletes, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's who runs that is Hoyer, that's Hoyer uh, uh, Epstein. I think they all go to the same D three schools and join frats and play baseball. Never never sleep on the D threes, right? Never the D three guy <laughs> will, will be releasing you when you get to the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> so they get their money back on. The- so how would you how would you tell a high school kid to cope with it? Like cope, um, cope with cope with. I know we've kind of talked about it. We've kind of danced around it, but I want to go straight for the juggler here. What, how would you cope, cope with it if you're a high school kid? Like, I think you're straightforward with them. You, you've got to get that kid probably to grow up quicker than probably he wants to, yeah. and he doesn't want to hear it. Most guys don't, obviously don't want to hear it. Yeah, it's going to be hard from hearing it from dad too. Yeah, exactly. Mom, well, mom and dad don't know anything anyway. Uh, just just wait. Mom yeah, and dad don't know anything. So, But you, you have to have an honest conversation. Here's where you are. This coach thinks you're here. You may think you're here, but you're probably in this neck of the woods in the, in this development of baseball. Let's get better at this, this, and this, and let's go at it again. You got another opportunity here in a couple of months in, the, in June and July to really get after it uh, over the summer. Let's get better and let's go show that coach again next year. And when you try out again, hey, I've gotten a ton better and I want to be part of this thing. What are those conversations? I, I don't I hate to put you on the spot, but I think it's a really interesting question. Is like, how do you talk to Paul about that stuff? Like, and he just never gotten cut. But I'm just saying, like, from a you've seen the best pitchers in the world pitch in Colombia, yep. <laughs> and then like, how do you manage that with Paul? Does Paul listen to you, or he does? He does. He listens. Well, the thing with Paul in 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 my study was he was 17 at Lafayette. He's experienced those games with me. He was there a lot and watching. 
he understands how Kyle Gibson and Scherzer and Kinsler and all those guys, all those other guys have played. So he's watched it. So I don't have to really talk a ton about it with him because he's understanding. And my wife was awesome because he wasn't one of those kids running around the stands throwing the wiffle balls and the paper cups all over the place. Every time I looked up there, he's sitting there and watching and she's making him learn, which is awesome. So a lot of that is it's kind of really cool. A lot of this happened before. So I haven't had a ton of in-depth conversations with him yet because he hasn't gotten to that point. Somebody hasn't tapped him on the shoulder yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not quite there yet because he's still in that learning and development and Mm -hmm. getting there and doing okay type of thing. So it's going to happen at some point. And then I'll be there for him, obviously, for sure. But he's kind of a little bit ahead of the curve just being a coach's kid and and learning a little bit more than the norm, I guess, should I say. So. That's what I always wonder about, like, Bianco's kid, who's down in Houston now. Yeah. Um, Bianco's the head coach of Ole Miss, for everyone that's listening, and his kid is at Houston. And I always thought that was weird. Like, why is he not at Ole Miss if he's the head coach? And- As he started at LSU. Oh. So- yeah, because that's where Bianco played. He was at LSU, and now he's in Houston. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually did not know that. Yeah, because they played each other last year, year before last, and – Oh yeah, so he started at Ole Miss and now he's in Houston. So that's crazy. Yeah, that's absolutely. And, crazy. and some people are different because some people don't want to play for their dads. That's what I was just going to yeah. say. Yeah. And, and, and in my case, again, I was a coach's kid. My dad was basketball coach Parkway West when it opened in '68 or '69. I was telling Dave the other day, whenever we moved up, moved here to St. Louis, Dad moved into the Rockwood School District just so I would not play at Parkway West. I was one years old, one year old, I think it was, and he didn't want any part of you're that, playing just because you're the coach's kid from parents or anything else. Yeah. He wanted me to grow up my own and do my own thing, and I've really taken that to heart with everything I've done with Paul. Kind of the same thing. So it's I've kind of been on the side saddle of not exactly coaching him, but every once in a while getting in there with him. But I want him to be his own dude, and not have to worry about dad so, and have had those conversations with me. So do you think parents like when a kid gets cut? Their, their kid gets cut should they like come in guns blazing or should they like sit back and just say that they're here for them like what what should they do it depends on the mom and dad depends on what where you're at if you got the dad goggles on or mom goggles on it's tough because you don't ever want to hear that your kid's bad, bad. Yeah. and got cut because you feel so bad because you want everything just to be perfect for your I c- kid i could imagine it's like so, magnified by 10 how yes. we feel when they get cut yes. it's magnified by 10 so you're going to have that instant type of thing and then i think the good ones are going to go okay what happened son what happened what happened honey what what what, what do we got to do what what went wrong what do we got to fix how do we get better types of Mm -hmm. things without going coach why'd you cut my kid you know (laughs) nobody wants to hear from that it's it that's that's not the you know but it happens it does because you're you're so invested obviously in your kids and you want them to do so well so I guess the I guess the moral of the story is just take each day day by day, brick by brick. <laughs> um get into the cage right away, get into getting back to building skills. How do you know when to quit? How do you know when it's like, you know what, this just this sports is not this it's not for me. Um Well, don't get hurt for one. <laughs> <laughs> Injuries one big thing. Yeah. But I mean um, like you like you get cut like yeah. I mean a lot of guys are going to I'm thinking they're in, and they're in their head. They're probably like, you know what? Should I just quit or should I just continue? I, like, yeah, I think. I mean, really, it, when no one wants you anymore, really, um, is is usually the time for a lot of players, and they usually try to avoid that and kind of walk out up top, kind of thing. But like, there are times where I mean, I just had a friend. I just got off the phone walking in here. He um, played 13 years of pro ball. 
It's like a 21st round draft pick out of UConn. One of those guys that never supposed to make it end up getting, you know, 150 at bats in the big leagues. And it was March 1st and he hadn't really heard anything from teams. And he said, it's time, you know, I haven't had any phone call, like real interest. And, um, I stayed ready through till March 1st and it's time. He's 33 and he's like, it's time to move on. No one wants me right now. Could he easily kept playing? Yes. Could he easily gone to indie ball or something like that? Or who knows? Someone gets hurt and someone want him? Like, sure, but... Or a Japanese league or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. He, he wouldn't want to do that. Um, but usually when no one wants you anymore is when it's time. Um, or when you decide, I don't necessarily have anything left to give. And personally for me, it was a combination of being hurt. And once I was healthy, being like, I don't know if I have anything left to give to this game from myself. Um, I couldn't do it again um, because it hurt. Like, it literally hurt mentally, physically, emotionally. So for me, it was like injury, no one wanting me because of that injury. And then once I was healthy, being like, you know what? I could give another shot, but I don't have anything left to give. And so I think maybe for some high school kids is doing a little soul searching. One, am I still wanted? If you're wanted, keep going. If you're not wanted, what are my options? And then the third, usually probably a more mature kid, do I have anything left to give? And I think we've seen that, you know, out here where we have kids that juniors, seniors in high school that are decent ball players that want nothing to do with college baseball. And I don't think it's because they necessarily don't want to play. They have nothing left to give. They don't have the heart to give. They don't have the mind to give. They don't have the emotion to give. They don't maybe don't even have the mental strength to give anymore. So they just go, I want to go party, and that's the easy way out in a sense. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those kids have been through the ups and downs. Yeah, already. And they've tried it. Right. Yeah. And they've gotten to that point to where you've it. got cut and or didn't make it and or played bad, what have you. And obviously we've helped all those kids. Yeah. Hey, let's give this thing one more try. You, yeah. I know you can do this, this, and that. And then it gets to the point where, eh, okay. Then you're going to go off in a different direction. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if there's an exact answer to that. Um if you have any sort of talent, I think you'd, personally speaking, be dumb to not continue trying to play, <clears throat> especially at 16, 17 years old. Opinions change. Opinions change. You can change. You can easily get better. And there's just, for me speaking, like my dad would always kind of like, well, why don't you try to play again? Why didn't you try to play again? You're only young once. You can only do this so long. And I think that's a thought maybe kids don't necessarily have that they should is it's now or never really like you're only going to get older and at some point you your body just can't do it. We also don't know how good you could potentially be. Yeah. Like sometimes two, sometimes three, it's a yeah. sometimes it's a wake up call where it's like <clears throat> you're not as good as you think you are. Yeah. And you might have to do a little bit more and if you just keep going on this and finding the right path, you might have to go backwards two or three steps. A lot of people don't like to go backwards. It's the little yeah. it's the little eager that has grown up and has just been heads and shoulders taller than everybody from fourth grade through and seventh grade. And then everybody <laughs> catches up in seventh or eighth grade and you go, wait a minute, this guy is better than me. Hold on here. Yep. He's not they, supposed to be better than me. I get all the slushies really and hit good. the home runs. Yeah. And, and you get caught up too. And then all of a sudden you got to figure that one out. I have that talk with every overgrown eighth grader. <laughs> There's a couple at this facility that I've... Hey, congrats on committing. You haven't done crap. Yeah. Because that dude is 4'8", and his dad's 6'3", and in two years, he's going to be as good as you. And you're going to be like, whoa, he's right there. Like, he's a step behind me now when before no one knew who the heck he was. I have that talk with every good, big eighth grader, ninth grader I have, because that's 100% true what Evan said. And some kids either put up 
and get better or they stay lazy and when that kid passes them they give up which that might not be the end like they don't realize like their runway is still there's still more yeah there's still more runway like <laughs> like a just, lot of people don't realize like that runway is still yeah. uh another good analogy that I, i've heard <laughs> really on that is like you if you're driving at night you only have so much distance in front of you for the, with lights and you have no idea what that road's going to lead to so like just keep driving like you never you never know it. it ends up being like this big thing that ends up blowing up and you end up being like the dude you have no idea but some guys are just like you know what i'm just going to pull off here to the side of the yeah. road and just it's crazy call it, like call I've, it seen it, I've seen it a lot and i was the guy who was smaller than everyone and like I was terrible from like seventh, eighth, ninth, ninth grade. I was not good, <laughs> like literally not good at all. Because everyone's just so much bigger. Like it was, it was like steroids versus not taking steroids in a sense. Dudes who were my height and my speed were all of a sudden a foot taller and twice as fast as me. And I'm like, there's nothing I can do. I haven't grown. Like, what am I gonna do? And was, I mean, I can remember as a freshman at practice, there was like some big high school guy who came out and was like, you'll never play D1 baseball. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's that's harsh, but he's probably right. <laughs> he came back the next year, and I grew to you know, a whopping 5'8". And um, he was like, yeah, you're D1 prospect now. <laughs> it was literally like just a year of growing and continuing to work hard. I went from yeah. like being really bad to like starting on varsity as a sophomore. So it was like all it was was kind of waiting for puberty a little bit and just continue to work. Which well, you see that a lot at these younger, these that weird 13 to 15 age. So That's what I try to impress upon with, because we've had it a couple times, and I've always tried to tell the, the young players that opinions can change. And those are the kids the, getting cut. Correct. <laughs> it's yeah, like, like the, the, simple, the simple, simple fact is that coaches really like winning. And if yeah. you go bust your ass and you get X amount better – they don't have a choice. They like winning. So opinions change. What his opinion is now or her opinion is now is what it is. You can't change it. But in the future, you have that opportunity. And they like winning games. So if you can help them, there's a it's different – There's different. I know, I'm sure. Go ahead. I know we're talking about 12 and 13-year-olds, but it's the same thing with 17. Like you still have – you could potentially play another three years, like technically. You can go to junior college and find your spot on a junior college team. And they'll be more than willing to get you. It they might you might not get a scholarship, but you'll get a spot to practice with that team, and then you could earn yourself a roster spot, and then get a scholarship your sophomore year. Yeah. Absolutely, I mean, there's I'm always sure a place had, to play. Oh yeah, if I'm you sure want to play, freshmen who you were like ah, and by junior year like this kid's great. Yeah, no, and we've had plenty of guys too. like that uh, as well too. Because the project guy you bring in, you're like, yeah. eh, I don't know if he's really going to do it. Let's see what he develops like and. And all of a sudden, you got to do. If they, sometimes they do, but you know, most time they do. Sometimes they don't. You just don't know. And when they don't, they end up at another college. Exactly. Like. <laughs> exactly. Or when you, when, I remember we had walk-on tryouts, and we had some really good kids come through. And you're like, well, we just, you know, you'd have to give that every to everybody there in the walk-on tryout thing. We kept one kid for a little bit, and eh, he went and played for the club team at school. Left-handed pitcher came back the next year, tried out again. Yeah, come on. He struck out like six million people in four innings on the club team, and ended up getting drafted after his senior year. I think it was. And Wait, played for a little he, pro ball. He, he played club baseball. <laughs> we were talking club about this yesterday. After baseball. Yeah, the, yeah. he club played club. So, so club baseball. Listeners that don't me? understand, <laughs> universities have club teams and they have the sanctioned teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the sanctioned teams are the ones that you see on TV. Club teams you don't. Ever the dudes see. that are walking around <laughs> campus that want to play and yeah. 
Met and nothing. you can get cuts just... from the club team too. Sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That might be the end of, of the road. Course, they, they were pretty good. Yeah. That might yeah. be the end of the road. Yeah. So this. So you're telling me this guy goes to Mizzou, tries to walk on. Want to go to school? You say no. He goes to the club team, makes the club team, strikes out a billion people. I can't. It was stupid numbers. I can't remember what it was, but it was awesome. Did yeah. You, did you know about this happening? Oh, we followed him. Oh, we followed him. Yeah. And he had some buddies, and we knew. And you kind of look at him and go, okay, got a chance. And he came back and whew, took off, drafted. <laughs> and he just started just dominating Big 12. Yeah, he did. He Seems literally did. It took him a little bit, but yeah. He did. That should baseball. be like a. That you never know. That should be a Hollywood film. As long right. did he make it to the big leagues? No, I didn't make uh, the big leagues. Damn it! No, he got a baseball card. He played pro ball. Yeah. No way. Yeah. It's wild. Oh, yeah. Absolutely that is wild. Fun stuff. You That's never stuff know you where your runway is. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's so true, man. Like, does uh, if you get cut, does that put like a red mark on you? Like, people. It might. Like, and eh, the guy got cut from high school. I don't know if I want to pick him up. Yeah, it just depends. Depends on where you're at. Depends on what school you're after. What what level you're trying to get it get to. Again, a junior sophomore gets cut and he comes back and tries it again. Plays his senior year. I mean, Michael Jordan. I mean, there you go. Who knows? Yeah, I, I would also say that most really good coaches that might factor a little, but they're going to trust their eyes in the moment. They're going to trust what they believe in. I what guess they, they really. See. I guess they really don't care at that point, right? Like if you can. And it goes back to you. Like if you can go help us win, you can help us win. Type yeah. of deal. It, I, I, mean, I, I that's where I think like these kids that were you know get cut from high school team. Where as much as times I hate showcase baseball and 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 you know things like that, I do think showcase baseball can then help and camps can help. It provides another because outlet because it provides an outlet to where like at the end of the day, the stopwatch doesn't lie, radar doesn't lie. And if you look the part, even if you get cut from a high school team and you go to a showcase and do really well, like someone saw that and those numbers always stay with you. So that's where like I feel like it can then help a kid who like gets released to where maybe now you don't have that red flag or whatever it is because then coaches are going to be like, well, why did he get cut? Maybe they find out the reason and be like, well, I don't really care. I like what I see. Let's give this kid a chance. So I think that's where like the college camps, the showcases, things like that can actually come back and really help a player. Yeah, and if you, if you really think about it, high school baseball in Missouri only has like 30, 35 games, right? So you basically just lose out on 35 games, and then you could play summer ball. That so you, you might have not played in to begin with. You might have just been watching, and you're a spectator. You're on the team, but you're a spectator, which isn't necessarily better either. Yeah, because then you're just practicing, but really how, how good are those practices? And the reps are probably going to the starters. Yeah, hundred percent. If daylight's running out, they're not going to bring in the third out, the third and fourth, or the the fifth and sixth outfielders to do work. They're going to get whoever needs the work. Yeah. So it, in. so I guess another way of thinking about it for everyone else uh, that's listening is that innings matter, playing matters. But if you get cut, like it's not the end all be all because you you only lose thirty five games, and you could potentially like the Iowa League, for example, you could find another spring league, whether that's a cut league or whatever, just getting innings and playing. Yeah, that's the big thing. It's it. I mean, yeah, it depends, really. I mean, yeah, how, ba- I think how it's bad good do you want to it? play? I think it's good to play, but preparation's also a pretty good way of getting ready to play too. So now you have a kid. Say you get cut a week ago. And you decide, like, it's time to keep working. It's time to get better. I mean, this is almost like a mini professional offseason for you to 
really get better and like really get strong in the weight room and things like that. Like, I mean, to think the amount of freedom you have for the next eight to 10 weeks to really do whatever you want and not have some, you know, old coach yelling at you for something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you might be getting better and learn something. But then the day it's his way or the highway in a sense where now you have this freedom of, I can go lift for two hours. I can go hit for two hours. I can do throwing programs. I can go learn how to run better. Yeah. Where you're not going to get that during your high school season. Yeah. Cause then you're going to, you're going to get the games in the summer. So you're, you're going to play. Yeah, so you're going to play and you're probably going to go to camps in the fall and yeah. you're probably going to do other things. So like really it's what you make of it. Like you were saying earlier yeah. and, and are you hungry enough to keep playing and keep, you know, does cut, going. does getting cut suck? Yes. But there is probably a blessing in disguise there that you're able to execute on and, um, do something with it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity a hundred percent. Like if, if Paul, if Paul got cut for instance, and they didn't even put him on like JV, what would you tell Paul? He would be with me here today, hitting in the cage. Come on, jump in the car. Let's go. Like, I mean, let's go. You you want to do it? You want to play? Yeah. If you want to play, come on, let's go. I'm not going to drag him down here. Yeah, but jump in the car. Come on. If you want to do it, let's go. Let's get better. And I'm sh- I'm assuming you would do everything you could. But absolutely. For weight training or whatever it is, lesson whatever, whatever it is to get him ready for summer. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's the answer to what to do. How did you handle your release? Uh, I was down in Florida, and it was my five years of pro ball, and I kind of did what I was probably going to do in pro ball. So I kind of knew it was writing on the wall for you. For yeah, I knew I was kind of going to do what it, you know. I got to my probably peak type of thing. So I wanted to coach. I wanted to get after that on that side of stuff. So uh, it hurt, went fun for a little while, and you know, it's been a little, couple extra days in Florida, and then came home and had the rest of the summer to kind of figure things out, and then went to finish my degree and got into coaching. Gotcha. Guys, that's all I have on this episode. Is there anything else you guys want to mention on this? Uh, it's not a death sentence. That's definitely not a death sentence. Where some, and again, it feels like your whole world is crashing at that moment. Like, I, we, we've all been there. Like, mm-hmm. getting released, getting fired, getting cut sucks because you so. feel like you're not good enough. You feel like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? But then in reality, just kind of scope out which is so hard to do scope out, see the, see the forest, not the trees, then being able to, um, adjust to it. You have more control over your future than you think. Yeah. Like I, like the best piece of advice was what Pratt says, like get after work. Roth said the same thing, like just get after it. Like if once you get released, kind of deal with it. Okay. Got it. Let's get, let's get into the cage and just actually be present in that cage and start hitting and start doing some stuff. Cause then it'll kind of relief that pressure that's been coping in your head. So, um, guys, that's this episode of the closing pitch. Um, please give us a review five stars, preferably. Um, you can find us on Spotify and you can find us, um, on Apple podcasts. We also have a YouTube channel. We will catch you in the next episode. Thanks. Thank you.